Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, COVID has made us kind of at times hoard things in the house, buy lots of things, um, maybe too much things at one time. And it got me to thinking, Trish, if you could have just for free with no effort on your part, you could just be granted this. If you could have an unlimited supply of one food or drink item, what would it be? Ice cream, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nice. I, I have to tell you, that's a tough one. I like that question though. Good. Good. Yeah. I feel like I can never have enough it, just for the household. Like we are always, as someone is always asking for it. So yeah, I, I try, I buy tons of it. Yeah. What about you? What would you want? I want to say Miller Lite, Trish, but I will be a slightly better person and probably say like mac and cheese. That would be, if I had each, if I had unlimited, just really? if I had mac and cheese available to me anytime, at any, any time of the day, forever, the rest of my life, I think that'd be pretty cool. So I'm going that way. That's interesting because probably if you said, what's one food you could do without for the rest of your life, for me, mac and cheese. How can you not? Literally like never have it, never buy it. I'm the worst mom ever. I know. My daughter's getting braces tomorrow and I actually bought mac and cheese because I know she's going to need some soft options, but yeah, other than that. All right. Well, we will, we will ask our guests that question in one second after we introduce her. I'm really excited, Trish. We are doing a great show today with, with our friends in partnership with our friends at Paycom. And we are going to be talking about technology, people's expectations of technology, the impact of technology on the employee experience and plenty more. There's some great research data that Paycom has produced in partnership with one poll on employee frustrations with technology. So we're going to talk about all these things with a true real, which we love to have on the show, a real HR person. Our guest today is Tiffany Gamblin. Tiffany is an HR manager at Paycom. She has been a trusted and strategic HR partner for over 10 years with a demonstrated record of success as an individual contributor and people leader in benefits administration, employee relations, compliance training, and leadership development. We're talking real HR. Tiffany, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you? I, I am wonderful. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you again. I've been lucky enough to meet you a couple of times on a couple of visits out to Paycom. I love sitting down with the Paycom HR team, which I always get to do when I go out there and visit. It's, it's such a cool place. Everything about the facility is cool. I just love yeah. it. I love being out there. So I hope, I hope that happens again soon. We were talking pre-show. Trisha and Tiffany and I were talking about, yeah, starting a vaccines rolling out. We're sharing our vaccine stories and, you know, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll be able to get out and visit, visit y'all again soon. So Tiffany, uh, do you, first of all, do you want to weigh in on the question? Unlimited food or drink item? Just it's yours in, in, in the garage, <laughs> in the fridge, just What's you know, you picking one? What Buffy. popped in my head was coffee, but then I thought, oh. well, I feel like I already have unlimited coffee. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I drink that pretty much all day long, and and it's always available for me. So yeah, that's that's a I should have thought of coffee because I'm it's <laughs> literally every morning first thing. I know I'm I mean I'm yeah. that's not unique, but I'm I, I am <laughs> I have a little problem there. Well, cool, Tiffany. Great to see you again. Uh, we like I said, we want to talk about some of this research and some of the data around employee frustration with technology. Uh, I'll just set it up with just a little bit of information that we found in the research. About 77, this is a survey of over 1,000 office workers, 77% said that they were frustrated with outdated technology at work. And nearly, this is the biggest finding of all that shocked me when Mm -hmm. I read this. And nearly 67% of employees stated they'd be willing to take a pay cut to have technology that is two times as good as what they have now in their workplace. Pay cut. Like who's willing to take a pay cut for anything? So Tiffany, man, you've seen this data. You're in HR. You're working with your your teams and your employees all the time. What is 
you know, what does this kind of suggest to you about how people are feeling about the workplace technology that they have available to them? You know, it that just makes me really sad for those people that said they would take a pay cut. I thought, my goodness, how bad must it be? Um, you know, there's there's definitely some trouble there in that relationship, right, between between the employees and their workplace technology. And I think when you have such a large percentage of employees that are saying they're frustrated, you know, this is something that's an issue for them. It's it's not a good sign. When you think about like retention of high performers, you know, that's always as an as an HR manager in HR, that's always a concern that's high level for us as retaining. And if you've got that many people that are frustrated with the tech, that's not good for, you know, for retention. And I think the reality, you know, our employees are, they're using innovative technologies, new technologies every day outside of work, right? On their phones, new apps. If, if you think of, of how we use that tech every day in our everyday lives and everything that we do, you know, it can feel like you went backwards 20 years sometimes when you walk into the workplace and you log into your workstation, you know, it, it's like, where, where's all of that? So, so they, they want it, they need that, that technology. And it makes me sad, but I'm not surprised that people said they'd take a pay cut because they want, it's not, you know, more technology. It's not having more and more and more added on. It's having the right technology, you know, for them to be able to, to do, to do their work. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned having the right technology as you were, as I was listening to Steve sort of give the the data and then your response, it, it made me think of one of my last corporate jobs and having technology where it was really, really difficult to do something as simple as an expense report, for example, right. to the point that there were times, and I, I never said I would take a pay cut, but I, there have been times that it was such a hassle that I've actually just personally paid for work travel or something with, you know, a meal or something just so I wouldn't have to use that system. So I'm wondering if you could maybe even elaborate a little bit on, you know, for me, it wound up being a productivity issue. Mm -hmm. The longer that it took me, if it took me 30 minutes or more to do an expense report for one or two, you know, expenses from a trip, for example, a business trip, and I would just avoid it. So are you seeing, whether it's within your own employee base or maybe your customers that you're coming in contact with, you know, what are you seeing from a productivity standpoint too, when it comes to the technology, can that actually have a negative impact as well on productivity? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, and I think it can go, you know, both ways. I think it absolutely can have a negative effect on productivity because anytime that, that employees are spending, you know, waiting to, for technology to, you know, turn on or, or attempting to reconfigure, you know, what they have, it's time that could be spent on productivity. And I think the opposite, you know, if you've got the right solution for your workforce, it absolutely can increase and have a positive impact. You know, I can share a story with you guys. When we we had to go remote like many uh, organizations, you know, one of the, the most critical things that we had to establish as an HR organization is how our, what's the channel that our employees would communicate with us when we weren't physically in the office anymore. A lot of times you didn't think about that. It was just, how can we get everybody working remote as quick as possible? But HR, they still have to be able to reach out to HR. There's so many unknowns during that time frame. And so one of the, the really positive things, you know, our, our system has a tool um, where employees can, you know, chat with HR through the system 
to ask questions, you know, they're routed to the right person. Um, and, and so not only did we have that ahead of time, but we also had established those, those behaviors with our employees, those learned behaviors and that employee usage of technology, it carried over and it helped us to ensure there was no gap in the employee's ability to communicate with HR. So from a productivity perspective, there, there wasn't necessarily as, as large of an impact because they were already used to that, you know, that methodology, that way of, of communicating. So, you know, I think, I don't mean to go back to retention and engagement, but it's really there. If employees are frustrated with the tech that they have at work, it absolutely is gonna impact them in that, in that you know, negative way. Um, you know, that same study that we've been talking about, it says 79% of, of employees agree they could get more work done with up-to-date technology. So yeah. that means not only is it, it's going to Im improve productivity, it's going to benefit the company's bottom line. It's going to save the company and employees time, right? So it's benefiting everybody to make sure that you have that right solution. That's a great point, Tiffany. And before I want to ask you a question about the idea of, uh, you mentioned earlier about, it's not just about throwing more technology at the, at, at the problem. I want to come back to that in a second, but as you were talking about kind of the out, Trish, you're talking about the outdated expense technology and, the, and then the impacts on productivity. There was a story in the news not too long ago about one of the, I'll, I'll gloss through a couple of the details because they don't matter, but one of the really, really big financial services companies, one of the giant banks whose name everybody knows, right, in America, <laughs> they got into some trouble because they, they basically wired out like $500 million to, to clients around the world erroneously, right? Mm. It, they made a mistake and all these clients got this money that their clients were entitled to some money, right? They were, were entitled to some repayments back, et cetera, but not that much. It was an egregious right. error. And it ended up in court and the court found uh, too bad, big bank, you screwed it up. And these people in good faith thought maybe they didn't know how much they were entitled to. And maybe it seemed like too much and they, you know, they should have noticed, but they didn't. And you're not getting it back. I read another article about it later on, which showed a screenshot of the software that was used to basically set up these transfers and how it looked. It looked like it was written in 1984. It was so archaic and old. It was gray and white and it had all kinds of jargon in terms. It was not usable by anybody who hadn't been maybe an expert at it for you know 30 years. Right. And the person probably doing that job and maybe the person checking on it didn't know that, right? And that, and that's what happened. That's a huge example, but certainly add that up, right? If you're a company with 10,000 employees, right, Tiffany, and 8,000 of them are, are frustrated like Trisha's with their expense reports, add that up. It may not be 500 million in total in one shot, but it's, it's, it's something every single day and every single week. And that's really meaningful. Well, and you know, a $10 lunch, sure, you're like, it's not worth it. It's not that big of a deal, but compound that over time, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it, it does start to chip away at, at that engagement and that, and that um, you know, how proud they are of, of the work that they're doing at the organization. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's such a reflection on just organizational philosophy, ethos, culture. Right. I, I would, maybe we could talk about that some more, but I do want to come back to this idea of throwing more technology at the problem. After I uh, read some of this survey data and saw some of the results, and one of the findings was um, one of the, the main driver of users not adopting HR software was there's just too much of it, too many different mm -hmm. systems, too many right. different logins. And then I looked up our friend Stacey Harris's uh, Sapient Insights data which I talked mm -hmm. about uh, on, on the webinar I did recently with, uh, with Paycom, that the average company has like 10 and a half HR systems in place. 
Yeah. And I'll bet big companies have even more. I'd love for you maybe just to talk a little bit about that, Tiffany, just your experience with organizations maybe having too many systems and maybe what you have seen is more effective, right, in, in, in trying to help employees get over those frustrations. Right. Well, and I, you know, I, I hear that 10 and then I think, yeah, I've been there. I mean, I, I can remember working at an organization, um, you know, in my, in my past, it was a, a local grocery store chain. It had 14 locations kind of all over. And at that time, you know, it was very lean HR organization. So if you were in HR, you did everything HR, right? You were, you, you might go hire, fire, investigate benefits all on the same day in one of the locations. And so for open enrollment, I remember that we had um, it basically, it was all, it was paper. <laughs> so we had, we'd print out uh, everybody's, we had 1500 something employees. We'd print out a piece of paper that said all the benefits that you had. And then I would go and do multiple meetings at the store um, to catch all the shifts. Right. And I would hand right. you a piece paper and say, if this is right, please sign your name at the bottom. Um, if it's not, please scratch it out and handwrite the change that you would like to make <laughs> to your benefits. Uh, you know, so that took me about two weeks straight uh, where that was all I was doing. And then of course I'm taking those 1500 pages back to corporate and I'm, I'm manually entering that information in three different systems. Wow. Manually. And, yeah. and repeating, like it's not different information. It was the same exact information in three different systems. So you can imagine the human error. You can imagine, you know, the, like the, I was the most frustrated HR person. <laughs> yeah. That couldn't have been a fun, like four weeks of your life, right? Every year. Exactly. And when you talk about, um, you know, when you talk about just that, you know, that employee usage strategy, we've heard that employees being able to own their data and, and being the ones that can go in and make those changes. My gosh, I was the biggest advocate of that after a few years of, of open enrollment that way. And guys, it wasn't that long ago. It's not like I'm no. talking about something right. 50 years ago. This was, yeah. like, this was like six Five. years ago. <laughs> yeah. So we laugh, but that's so common. I mean, I'm sitting here nodding my head. I've been out of HR about seven years now. And that was like my last job. So many of the things, not just benefits, but all the different things we did. We still were doing uh, paper uh, performance evaluations for some of our divisions that would not switch. So it's like you, you shake your head, but I'll tell you what though, but if you think about that, would you have taken a 50 cent an hour pay cut <laughs> in order to have technology that would have done that? You might've been that girl saying, yes, I will. I will take that pay cut, right? I would have so, raised my hand, you know, to say that yeah. because it was such, such cool. manual, such administrative work and, you know, yeah. So, so I think when you talk about all those systems, I'm not surprised, but it is completely ineffective. And a lot of times those decisions are, you know, cost decisions made up front. It's cheaper up front to piecemeal that stuff together, but looking like long-term on just the, the opportunity cost, the time cost was astronomical in doing it that way. I wonder too, it seems like HR leaders are becoming, at least in, in my opinion, in the last 10 years, better versed at how to describe the value of having things that aren't piece, piecemealed together. And there's also, I mean, you're able to maybe make a better business case now with more information available online, for example, of of why it makes good business sense to switch to a new, a new vendor who can maybe handle multiple areas of your people, part of your business. 
so that it isn't just good for HR. It's actually good for the people. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that and just, you know, maybe some of the things that Paycom is specifically doing around um, kind of easing that frustration for your customers and, and what you're hearing from them as they, as they come on board with you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but of course I think, I think what we're doing makes a lot of sense. And, and if you think about it from the employee's perspective, you know, it's great to have somebody from HR come and sit with you and say, here's the paper, tell me what you think. But in reality, wouldn't it be better for them to be able to go through that information at home with their families, right? Maybe they have a decision maker or, you know, maybe this is their first real job and they they don't know what they don't know about benefits. I, I know I go back to benefits a lot, but that, I have a lot of history in that area. But But think about how effective that is right? If they can do that themselves at home, they can go through, they can make those decisions. I think a lot of times too, I remember like, you know, I'd have individuals who raise their hand and they say, well, I have to go home and I have to talk to my spouse or I have to talk to my partner about this and then I'll come back. What if they could have just done it right then? You know, it, it makes a lot more sense. So one of the things about the, the Paycom tool, it's also a single login. So it's not multiple logins on top of each other that you have to remember. It's one. And that is, is phenomenal for me as a, as a you know, employee utilizing the system, as a manager utilizing the system, I can toggle back and forth without having to log in multiple times. It's a huge time saver. And it just, again, the efficiencies that are gained there are, are enormous from both an HR administrator, um, a manager, and then an employee that's, that's using the system. Yeah, and I think that's those are great points, Tiffany. And I'd even add in something I I think about too. And and I think we, this will come up again. We talk just a little bit more about user experience. Is besides multiple logins, besides the hassle of having to remember them, besides different ways they they work, the, these systems they'll they'll often look a lot different. The they'll they'll be designed differently. They'll have different terms that mean the same thing just because. Right. Like, you know, that you, you might be an employee in one system and an associate in another one or whatever. I, I, and sometimes that seems like we're nibbling and that's not that important, but it kind of is. And I think that uh, that is a driver of, uh, or a driver of lack of, to lack of adoption, right? Because there's, wait a minute, how does this one work again? What do I do here? Where, what do I click here? Where's the save button on this one <laughs> or the submit button or whatever it is? Cause it's in five different places and five different systems. And that, that kind of adds up, right? And that, that can kind of uh, add to the frustration. So I, I'm biased a little bit too. I'm biased in the, it, it, towards few, the fewest systems you need, you know, to get what you need to get done what you need to do and support your employees in the way they need to be supported. That's the number you should have. Well, and I think you make a great point because that the user adoption, you know, if, if you could have the best solution known to man, and if your employees aren't using it and they don't understand how to use it or it's clunky, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Because they're not, it's, it's not effective. So it, it ha- you have to balance it. You have to make sure that you've, you're keeping that end user in mind. You also have to keep the HR user, right? If it's great for, for employees, but your HR person is like pulling their hair out because it's so complicated behind the scenes. That's another, you know, that's just a nail in the coffin. So you have to, you have to balance both those sides. Oh, I was just going to say too, with regard to user experience, I think that the downside of having maybe those 10, you know, the Sapien Insights, for example, uh, mentioned 10 and a half, which I do think is absolutely accurate. <laughs> you know, the, you're buying those systems at different times. And mm-hmm. so 
the design kind of thinking that goes into each one could be influenced by very, very different points of time and history and what's going on and what's important. Like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that like every single thing we were looking at was like a Facebook experience, for example. Well, you know, who, who really needs that now? Right. People have moved on to other things. So I think too, um, for me, I think part of a good user experience is that familiarity with it. And if you do have one system or as few as possible to your point, Steve, I think that you're getting sort of that learning and reinforcement because you're getting updates, which will be, you know, smaller each time. Right. So the, the look and feel changes and enhances gradually over time versus your example, Steve, of maybe having 10 different systems that look really dramatically different Mm -hmm. all at once. So that's a value too. Your, your employees will use it more because it's been more familiar to them. And the other thing would be, let's say you're running five or six, even right. Different applications for different elements of your HR tech stack across the platform. Over time, those fives or six things, they are not going to converge on their own miraculously Mm -hmm. or organically. They're going to continue to look and act and work differently. That's just how it works, right? right. And, and often, yeah. I'll say it very plainly, it's not always providers in the space are not typically incentivized. I don't, sometimes they are not mm-hmm. always incentivized to make sure that these systems work well together, right? That's just not often their, their business plan, right? So mm-hmm. um, that, that can happen as well. Well, I think too, your CEO and CFO, and this has happened many times in my career with multiple systems, they, they come to ask the HR leaders, the HR managers, for information that they want ASAP right now. And I have had many, many years where things had to be pulled from four, five, six, seven different systems, manually put together in a pivot table and somehow manipulated and where a team member or two or three had to spend hours and hours and hours just to answer one question that the CEO or CFO had. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff too. I mean, when we think about productivity, when you have one system that can can truly meet a majority of your needs, your reporting is going to be so much faster for those leaders to make okay. better business decisions. And I think that that's got to be in, like reinforced too. I mean, Tiffany, I you're probably one of those people, right? Who gets those requests. Like a leader wants to know a certain bit of information. Like, have you seen, um, you know, you've obviously worked other places. How, how has, have you seen that change <laughs> over your career in HR. I mean, it's, it's gotta be better. I would imagine. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I, I have shared this before. I actually have the the privilege in some space or another of having used Paycom almost my entire HR career. So it wasn't always the full suite, but it was always a piece of it. And I, you know, I always tell my boss, I loved it so much. I just decided to come and work here and, you know, it's, it's been great, but, but yeah, you've the evolution of what HR has been asked to provide from a reporting perspective and what the HCM you know, technology is expected to, to provide has shifted over time. And I have seen that I have seen a lot of additional attention around reporting. And, you know, you kind of have heard the the term HR having the seat at the table and, and that, you know, kind of conversation were there. And now it's kind of like, okay, so now give me X, give me Y, give me Z. And I want to see it. And I love, you know, it's so generous for you to say hours and hours. Oftentimes it's not, it's like mm. in 12 minutes, <laughs> I need that yeah, yeah I, I would be asked for it like immediate. I'm like, uh, okay, that's going to take two of my people two days. We'll get it to right. you. Right. right. What it yeah. is. 
Yeah. I always joke, like when I see, I, I will tell you too, like the last time I had a, a briefing with Paycom, for example, I mean, it's like, it's like, that's almost enough to make me want to go back into HR because the things that you have achieved with your solution in just the seven years that I've been out of HR, mm-hmm. it's, it's night and day. It's dramatically enhanced. And I can only imagine then that gives you so much more time to actually give that sort of care and concern to the employees that really need it, right? Because you're not spending, you know, those 1500 employees worth of benefits, things that you're doing by hand times three, right? You're now able to spend that time on actually maybe in an investigation or maybe in helping proactively do something. So you don't need to investigate anything, right? So, so many benefits of it. I think, Tiffany, the last thing I wanted to ask is, let's say I'm imagining the story you told about the grocery store that you worked at or the chain was maybe a little bit earlier in your career, right? So let's let's flash back to, let's say, like, knowing what you know now, what you've learned about HR, of course, and just your, your growth as a leader and what you know more, how much more you know about HR technology, right? What, right. if you were back, going back to that, that grocery chain and like trying to help them make their case to upgrade the technology, right, that they're using and by extension, right, any HR person listening to the show who wants to make that same case as well or begin to start that dialogue with their leadership teams about improving, right, or, or upgrading or updating, maybe is a better word, the technologies right. that they have available. What are some tips or advice you might have for, for either your old self or folks in that situation today? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a couple of things that come up for me when when you present that scenario. And the first is to to really understand that every business is going to have unique challenges that the HR team is kind of tasked with solving and don't discount that. Right. So if you have a a solution that's like we work for anybody and everybody all the time, 100 percent, you know, that's not really that's not really honest and or sincere. So knowing the unique challenges that your organization has and be prepared to, to speak to that. So, you know, for example, in, in the benefits scenario that I gave, it's we've got people that are working you know, it's stores might be open 24 hours. They have multiple different shifts that they're working across. Um, we have all different types of employees that, that we have to be able to communicate information to. It makes a lot of sense to have an employee self-service where they can get in there and look at it themselves, make their decisions themselves any time of day. Right. And then have an avenue where they could communicate with HR to ask questions if they have them. So that would be one thing that would, you know, kind of pop up for me is making sure that you know what the, what the challenges are and, and a personalized demo. So whoever you're thinking, okay, I know I've got to do better. Um, who could be the, who could be, you know, my, my knight in shining armor, who could solve the problems for me? Um, having that personalized demo piece is, is going to be important. And then on the flip side, know what you're going to do with that time that you saved too often. It's like, here's a problem. This is what I think is a solution. And it kind of stops there. Yeah. Finish that conversation. You know, if we were able to free up our HR team to get them out of the middle and, and have them stop doing this data entry stuff, here's the types of programs and the types of initiatives that, you know, that we would be able to implement as an organization that do drive retention, that do drive engagement from our employees and productivity. Be prepared with that, because I think that's the part too. I know our decision makers love to see the money, right? They want to, they want to know the numbers, but knowing, hey, if I get what I ask for, here's what we're committing that, that we would be able to do. Yeah, those are great. 
I think too, I would just add one additional one that I always thought of is always look at the stability of the um, company you're trying to partner with, because there are so many, there are literally thousands in this space. And so you need to me, it's always really important to trust that partner because it's more than just a vendor. If you're doing it right, it's a partner. That means that you have to trust that that person is going to be there, be reliable for you. I mean, handling someone's benefits and, and everything around their, how they're paid and how they're reviewed and how they're rewarded. It's, it's just so critical. So you don't want to messing it up. So make sure you're doing. Yeah. I talked about diligence this, in the, um, in in the, the webinar we did uh, last week. And I, 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 my phrase was an experienced partner. Like I, I, and now yes. again, I'm not knocking, there's a great and vibrant startup community in HR technology yeah. doing incredibly cool things around mostly around the edges of HR technology. So I'm not knocking that at all. I wouldn't tell anybody, no, don't ever engage with a, an HR tech startup or anything, but for the things primarily that we've been discussing here right. and the things that drive these frustrations, because also mm-hmm. we didn't get to it. And there's a lot of stuff in that survey, but some of the things people are frustrated with are like seeing how much PTO they have, right. you know, looking at their pay slip, uh, doing their expense report. Like you mentioned, these are basic foundational elements, right. Of yeah. your HR technology stack and that contribute to the employee experience. I wouldn't be go chasing some startup to go do my payroll and my PTO and things like that. I probably wouldn't. I'm sorry. I'm a little biased that way. I want that stuff to work right out of the box right. every time. You expect, right? it. You expect yeah. those, those foundational things to work and to work well. They seem like small things, but they're not. And that's something else we, I think the survey helped shine a light on, which is really, really important too. Right. And I'm glad, Tiffany, just last thing for me, I'm glad you talked about benefits a lot. One of my one of my foundational experiences with HR technology was rolling out self-serve benefit enrollment in a place that I was at. And I'll never forget that experience for a good, the good, there was the good and bad of it, honestly. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) special to me too. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty awesome to talk to you, Tiffany. Uh, Glad you're glad you're doing well. Good to see you again. Well, I I really enjoyed the conversation with you all. I love what you're doing in this space. I think it's phenomenal. Keep having the conversations and, you know, I'd love to come back sometime. Oh, we'd love to have you. That would be really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great to have a real HR person on the show, Trish. (laughs) I know we need one. We need one more often. My experience is like further and further in the rearview mirror. Now it's like a, I'm just have a wish list of like what I would, what I would (laughs) do. Awesome. Well, great stuff. So, uh, Tiffany, we'll, at paycom.com, we'll send people to to learn more about all the cool stuff that's happening there. And uh, we can find Tiffany uh, on LinkedIn, I'm sure. Tiffany Gamblin, uh, we'll put her information in the show notes as well. She's a really cool person. So thank, thank you for me. Thank you. Want to connect with her. So, all right, good stuff. So <laughs> for Tiffany, for Trish McFarlane, uh, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time. And bye for now.